You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast. How are you? I hope that you're feeling a little bit better than me today because you might be able to tell from the sound of my voice that I am suffering from a bit of a cold today. That's right, I'm a bit under the weather. Uh, I'm slightly off colour. Um, but it's nothing to worry about. It's nothing too serious. It's just a normal, run-of-the-mill, bog-standard winter cold. Um, I've got a bit of a blocked-up, slightly runny nose, um, slightly sore throat, a bit of a cough, slight headache, just the usual symptoms. Um, but uh, don't worry. I know that you are worrying about me, of course, because you care about me so much. You're probably thinking, Luke, why don't you should just go to bed or just lie down in, on the sofa and just sort of um, rest and make sure you get better. Well, don't worry, folks, because um, I've decided that in recording this episode, I'm not going to push myself too harsh. Uh, push myself too harsh? I mean, I'm not going to push myself too hard. I'm going to take it fairly easy, okay? I'm looking after myself. And um, I'd, I also would say don't worry, because um, I have just drunk a nice cup of Lemsip, which is my... Uh, preferred cold and flu remedy. Lemsip is a kind of medicine and it's in the form of a, a kind of powder which comes in these paper sachets and you rip open the sachet and you pour it into a, a mug and you pour hot water onto it and the, the powder sort of dissolves into the hot water and it creates this nice uh, sort of uh, warm uh, drink and it contains paracetamol and it contains decongestant. Uh, paracetamol of course is a painkiller um, and uh, it also helps to reduce uh, fever that you might have if you've got a bit of a temperature and the decongestion is what helps to try and uh, relieve the congestion that you get in your nose. You can hear it there. I've got a bit of congestion as uh, as I do this episode. So I've had my Lem Sip, and that's already starting to make me feel a bit better. So I'm nice and warm. I've also got several layers of warm clothing on. I'm wearing two nice thick woolen sweaters, and I've got a scarf around my neck. And I've got the heating on. The heating is on full blast, so I'm quite warm. I'm quite cosy, and I'm, f I'm perfectly relaxed. And I'm not putting myself under any pressure in this episode. Uh, in fact, this episode, as you've probably noticed from the title, is all about Star Wars. That's right, Star Wars, finally. Uh, I'm talking about Star Wars in some detail in an episode of Luke's English Podcast. Um, you must know, if you've been listening to the podcast for you know any length of time, you must know that I'm a huge fan of the Star Wars films. Um, in fact, I was born in 1977, the same year as Star Wars. My name is Luke, and as far as I'm concerned, that makes me a Jedi, okay? I'm a Jedi Knight. Um, I know that there may be more qualifications necessary to, to become a genuine Jedi, but if you, if you need to be convinced, well, I was born on a Thursday, and I live in France now, and the French word for Thursday is spelled a little bit like the word Jedi, isn't it, when you think about it? So that's it. Basically, I'm a Jedi Knight. If, if, if it's possible to be a Jedi, I am one, okay? So as a Jedi Knight, and maybe even a Jedi Master... Um, I think probably just a Jedi Knight. I'm certainly growing a beard, you know, the Obi-Wan Kenobi-style beard that he has in uh, Star Wars Episode Four. So I'm 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 in Jedi mode. I'm just a Jedi with a cold, okay, and, and that's still a Jedi. I wonder if Jedi's get colds. Actually, do Jedi's catch colds? I imagine they use the Force to sort of uh, help to boost their immune system. 
I suppose that's what they would do. They probably don't have they don't they don't need to take paracetamol and things like that. They just meditate, and that's all they need, isn't it? Um, so okay, I'm not a Jedi Master. I'm just a Jedi Knight. Yes, there are two levels of Jedi. No, three levels of Jedi. You've got the Pad One, Pad One Learner. Okay, that's a sort of apprentice Jedi. Um, then you've got the Jedi Knight, who is, you know, someone who's qualified. They've gone through all the training processes. They've taken the exams, and they've qualified as a Jedi. And then you've got the Jedi Master, who is um, sort of like, you know, the professor-level Jedi, uh, like uh, Yoda, for example, and Obi-Wan Kenobi um, at the end of the, the first three films. Now, I know what you, some of you might be thinking. Well, I think there's probably... Well, I wonder. Probably three, two or three potential reactions that you are having right now as you listen to this. One of them could be, oh, brilliant. I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I'm on the same wavelength as Luke. I know that he loves Star Wars. So do I. Uh, and I'm really glad that um, he's talking about it because this means that I'm getting two of my two of the things that i really like we've got an episode of luke's english podcast and we've got star wars at the same time this is brilliant i can't wait i'm going to strap myself into my chair and i'm just going to sit here and listen to this uh, so that may be one reaction the star wars fan reaction the other reaction could be oh god star wars really luke really star wars all that stupid stuff of like little teddy bears running around in space and all that nonsense ah uh, really so some of you might not like star wars um which, of course, is perfectly reasonable response and a perfectly reasonable uh, uh, opinion to, to hold. Um, the, the third option is probably somewhere in the middle where you're like, well, I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars. I thought it was all right. But I'm quite prepared to listen to you talking about it because um, maybe you can sort of shed some new light on the subject or something like that. And, uh, and go ahead, Luke, go ahead. Well, we want to know what you think about Star Wars. So... Um, Okay, if you're in the second category and you're not really a Star Wars fan, um, you, you might think, you might kind of be of the opinion that, you know, you don't really get it. Maybe you've never even seen the film, okay, or any of the films. You might not have seen any of the films, um, in which case, you know, it's probably difficult for you to have an opinion on the subject. Um if you've never seen any of the films, then I must say at the beginning, right here and now, uh, spoiler alert, um, I will be giving away some details of the storyline uh, to the Star Wars films. And I'm talking about the original trilogy, that's 4, 5 and 6, and the prequel uh, trilogy, uh, which is episode 1, 2 and 3. Uh, 4, 5 and 6 were released, well, 4 was released in 1977, 5 was released in 1980, I believe. Uh, or 1979, and 6 was released in uh, 1983. So 4, 5, 6 is the original trilogy. 1, 2, 3 are the more updated versions, um, the ones that were released sort of, you know, 10 years ago or so, something like that. 1999, I think, was episode 1. And those, although they were released more recently, actually were set um, before the original trilogy. It's a bit confusing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um so uh, uh yeah maybe maybe you've never seen any of them in which case be careful because i will be giving away some plot details uh, some spoilers of the original trilogy and the the prequel trilogy too you may also have only ever seen the prequel trilogy which i think is quite possible the the you know the big flashy big budget uh, computer generated image laden uh, prequel films uh have you know fairly recently been in the cinema i think the when was it the last uh, episode three was in the cinemas in like 2005 or something like that wasn't it 
Um, so that's fairly recent and they're all available on DVD and they're shown on the TV and stuff like that. So maybe you've only seen the prequels, which is a terrible thing, really, because for me, the prequels are kind of a load of old rubbish compared to the originals. And many people say that the sort of prequel trilogy sort of destroyed their childhood and uh, didn't really do justice to the original films and all that kind of thing. So I understand if you're not a fan of Star Wars, I hope that you you hold on. I hope you keep listening. Maybe um, by listening to this, you can get some idea of why people are so obsessed with these films and what the appeal is. Uh, I'm not going to try and convince you that Star Wars uh, is the best film franchise ever, because I think that if you know everyone is entitled to their opinion and it's very subjective, um, and if you, I think you probably have genuine reasons for thinking the Star Wars films are no good. You know, like the scripts are not very good. There's not necessarily much emotion in there. Um, not many sympathetic female characters and various criticisms of the films. Lots of criticisms, especially of the the prequels. Um, but nevertheless, they are probably the it, it Star Wars is probably the biggest film franchise out there, and this is very timely. I've been meaning to talk about Star Wars properly on the podcast for some time, and really, the thing that's um, sort of kickstarted me here, the thing that really inspired me to to talk about Star Wars today, even when I'm feeling a bit sick, um, is the fact that the Episode Seven trailer, the first teaser trailer appeared on the internet just a few days ago that's the star wars episode 7 the force awakens official teaser trailer number one directed by jj abrams um, it appeared online uh, on the 28th of november and as i record this it's the the 2nd of december so four or five days ago the trailer appeared and it's already on about 40 million views at this point and you know the the internet is buzzing um, regarding the new release of uh, the Star Wars films. So that's right, we're getting a whole new trilogy of Star Wars films. We're going to get 7, 8 and 9. And Episode 7 arrives in December 2015. So uh, the buzz has started. Suddenly people are talking about Star Wars again. Um, and uh, so be prepared because for the next year... Probably for the next 12 months, you're going to get lots of Star Wars coverage in the media. Star Wars is going to be everywhere as the hype builds up and as the the uh, like marketing machine goes into overdrive. You're going to get Star Wars posters and Star Wars TV commercials. There'll probably be merchandising and things like that. That's a little bit disappointing. I'm a little bit tired of all the merchandising. I think that's one of the things that the, the prequel trilogy did wrong. There was too much hype too much advertising, too many um, uh, products being pr- being released before the films actually came out, and so much uh, hype that in the end it was a big anticlimax. I hope that they don't do that so much this time, and they focus instead on just producing an entertaining film. Uh, but I'm sure that the you know the studios and the companies will not be able to help themselves. They'll all be cashing in on uh, the hype. Uh, and the buzz generated by uh, the new release of these Star Wars films. So the the new trailer appeared on on the internet. Naturally, I've seen it. I was um, I, I managed to catch it very early because I was I'd heard that it was going to be released on YouTube, and I was constantly searching every day where's the new Star Wars trailer. And uh, and I found it, and I've seen it. And I have to admit that I'm very excited uh, about this. I know that um, I'm a bit of a geek, especially when it comes to Star Wars. I'm not. F- a full geek you know i don't get overexcited about 
many of these things but star wars is something that means a lot to me personally uh my nose is getting more and more blocked up isn't it as this episode progresses um i may need to pause the podcast at some point and go and blow my nose i would blow my nose on the on the podcast but um i think that might be a little bit too much uh, especially as in some cultures i realize that blowing your nose in public is um, considered to be quite rude so what's going to happen in this episode well I, I, one of the things is that i may blow my nose on the podcast despite the uh, the potential for uh, you know offending some of you out there in the world but you know i like to be a bit controversial sometimes so who knows i might blow my nose on the episode that'll be a first is that the f- will that be the first time i've ever done that I've, i don't know i can't keep track anymore there are so many episodes behind me now. I, I don't know what I've done already. I know that I've I've drunk tea on the podcast many times. I nearly died on a podcast once, several times perhaps. Uh, certainly once because I, I was drinking tea and I choked on the tea. Do you remember that? And I couldn't breathe for a, for a few seconds. That was a that was a scary moment. Um, other times when I was under threat was when I was driving a car around Paris. That was a slightly risky move, wasn't it? That was a an adrenaline high. It really was. I was sweating and, you know, trying to try not to crash into people. Um, but I'm in a nice safe place here uh, in my little room where I record the podcast, which recently I've started calling the Space Pod or maybe the Sky Pod. This is the place where I record episodes of the podcast. Space Pod or Sky Pod. So I'm, oh God, you hear that? You hear my nose there? So I'm in a nice, comfortable, safe place here in the Sky Pod. What's going to happen in this episode? I may uh, blow my nose soon. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the trailer for the new Star Wars uh, film, which is coming out in December. And I think I'm going to play the trailer to you, the audio of it, anyway. And then I'm just going to basically ramble on about Star Wars, touching on uh, the history of the film franchise. I'm going to talk about the appeal of the films. So why do people like Star Wars so much? Why do I personally like Star Wars so much? Um, I think also I'm going to go through... In that section about the history, I think I'm going to go through uh, like each film and explain some of the details of the stories and some other facts. Basically, I want to try and tell you as, uh, everything I know about Star Wars. Um, I'm going to try and contain this. I'm going to try and contain myself. Try not to get too excited, and I will try and keep this within the uh, sort of 60 minute mark. But you know, who knows what's going to happen uh, if I end up, you know, if I get on a roll, uh, I might. I might end up talking for more than an hour. This is just the introduction, and we've already done 15 minutes. It's incredible. Um, So that's an idea of what you're going to get in this episode. Star Wars fans, yes. I hope you're excited as well. Non-Star Wars fans, well, I hope that you stick with it and do listen, and uh, maybe I can change your mind and um, make you reconsider the whole thing. Okay, right, I'm now going to go and get a tissue. No, wait a minute, I've got a tissue here. Oh, brilliant. Okay, I've got like a little pack of tissues. Okay, I'm going to be controversial here. Sorry for listeners in Japan uh, for whom this might be a rude thing, but I'm going to blow my nose now. I'm not going to do it right in front of the uh, right in front of the microphone. I'm going to move away from the mi- microphone, but you will be able to hear me. Okay, so here we go. Luke Thompson from Luke's English Podcast blowing his nose. Ready? Three, two, one. Ah, oh, God, that's better. Ah, oh, okay. I don't know if I don't know if you're like me, but whenever I've blown my nose, I do have a little look afterwards. I, oh, you know, have a little check to see what I've produced. Oh, not bad. 
quite good. There is, I have to admit, there's, maybe it's just me, but there is something quite satisfying about producing a good healthy uh, amount of stuff out of your nose into a tissue. It's like kind of like a, I feel almost quite proud. It's like if I produce a lot, it's like, oh, good one, good job. And if, if not very much comes out, then I feel a bit disappointed. Like, is that the best my nose could do? Um, I don't know if, if you're like me. Maybe it's just me. Or maybe it's human nature and everyone does it. I don't know, really. I just don't know. Um, all right, then. So the Star Wars uh, franchise. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Um, okay, you know what? Um, since this is, you know, the, the buzz the buzz has started around the, the new Star Wars films, let's have a little listen to the uh, trailer. The, the teaser trailer so we're just going to listen to it it's only about a minute long a minute and a half so let's listen to it you can get a some audio uh, idea of, of what the trailer is all about and then i'll talk about that a little bit before moving on to talk about the rest of the star wars uh, universe here we go so the trailer starts with a green screen the following preview has been approved etc and it opens with sh- uh, f- shots of the desert on the uh, tatooine which is one of the main Places in stuff. Right, wait a minute. I need to rewind that because I interrupted it. Okay. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? have to say some of those sound effects do get me quite excited um i mean it, it's the noises it's the sound effects and some of the images that we see there that kind of bring out a lot of the kind of nostalgia that i have for my childhood um let's just let's have a look at the uh, trailer again i'm going to dr- drop the volume a little bit so the the trailer begins with um uh, the desert on tatooine which is one of the planets where uh, certainly the first star wars film a lot of the scenes were set there luke skywalker comes from tatooine we hear someone say there's been an awakening is who is that like felt it. some kind of like darth vader character then we see a guy um a guy appears on the screen he's in a stormtroopers outfit stormtroopers are those guys in those white suits um they they are like the soldiers of the empire it's a guy in a stormtrooper outfit and he doesn't have the helmet on so we can see his face and he's clearly in a lot of distress he seems to be running away from someone uh, maybe he's being chased um and we also hear a little sound in the background that goes i don't know if you can hear that uh 
Did you hear it? Okay. Now I've been listening to it in some detail. That is for me is the sound of an imperial probe droid. An imperial probe droid is like a like a sort of sentry, uh, like a drone sent down uh, by uh, like an, an uh, imperial spaceship, and they're used to like you know search for rebels and things like that. Okay, so maybe he's running away from the Empire. But it's strange that he's dressed as a stormtrooper. So either he's a stormtrooper that has crash-landed on the planet and or something, or he's uh, a rebel who is uh, trying to run away from the Empire and he's he's disguised himself as a stormtrooper. Um, the the guy who plays uh, the, the guy that we see, he's actually a British actor. Um, and um, what's his name? I'm just trying to find his name here. Um, I can't see his name. It's there somewhere. Da -da -da -da. Okay, I don't know his name. Anyway, he's a British actor, and he was in a really great uh, British film called Attack the Block, which was directed by Joe Cornish from Adam and Joe. I told you about Adam and Joe before. They did that great podcast. Adam and Joe, well, Joe Cornish went on to direct a film called Attack the Block, which is set in South London, and it's a sort of science fiction kind of horror thing about some aliens which attack a tower block, and the kids who live in the tower block have to defend the, their, their home against these aliens, and the main character is played by the same guy who appears in this trailer. So I'm quite pleased that he's a, a we've got a British guy, I think he's from Brixton, um, in this huge international blockbuster. So I'm very pleased about that. Um, he's um, now one one thing that I find a little bit um, pr a bit disappointing is that in the comments section, not only on this page but on other pages uh, where people are talking about the trailer, uh, a lot of people have been sort of mentioned commenting on the fact that he's black, um, and people are saying, "Oh, he's black. You know, how can you have a black stormtrooper?" Which, frankly, I think is a bit racist. Why can't you have a black stormtrooper? Why not? You know, it's it's like the first thing that people notice. Oh, he's a black guy. Like, really? Really? I think it's actually uh, great that uh, the first character we see, and possibly the main character in the film, is a black guy. I think that's a fantastic advance. And if you think otherwise, then I'm sorry, it's just basic racism. Now, there are plenty of reasons why you could have a black stormtrooper. Some people say, okay, some people say that the stormtroopers, as we see in the the uh, prequel trilogy, are actually clones. They're all clones of a guy, um, uh, a guy called Jango Fett, who is Boba Fett's dad. They were all clones and therefore the stormtroopers are also clones as well and the the clones weren't black all right well uh okay and I'm, I'm really geeking out on you now um but uh it could be that first of all the new stormtroopers are not clones anymore they're just enlisted guys from the universe they could be different you know different races different colors different sizes and everything in fact there is a, a a moment in the trailer where we see a bunch of stormtroopers arriving on some planet and they're clearly different heights you know you've got some are taller and sh than than others so i think they're not clones anymore so that could mean they could be black they could be white they could be brown pink blue purple yellow whatever um and the other idea is that maybe he's not a stormtrooper. Maybe he's a rebel who's disguised himself as a stormtrooper. And there you go, that explains that. Uh, but I do find it a bit disappointing that so many people have been commenting on this sort of... Um, this this thing. Um, anyway, let's carry on. So he, he appears on screen. There's he's been an awakening. 
he's sweaty he's running away from someone uh, and then we get to there he is Okay, then we see like this like uh, droid rolling across the the screen, and it's um, it looks like R two D two, but he's a it's like a ball with a droid head on the top. It's like R two D two, but his body is a ball, and he's making sort of like you know R two D two noises. I'm not completely convinced by the ball droid thing. That's a bit. I don't know. I'm not completely convinced by that. Like a ball droid. Eh. It looks quite cute and quite funny though, so that's quite nice. Then we see, okay, then we see the stormtroopers arriving, and they're all tooled up, they've got their weapons and stuff, and it looks like they're ready to attack a planet or do an invasion or something like that, uh, and the stormtrooper uh, masks look a little bit different, they look cool, they're, they're a bit similar to the clone troopers that we saw in the original trilogy, not the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, uh, and so on. Are you still listening to this? Are you still engaged by this? Maybe I should skip through the trailer and just head straight on to the just to my ramble about the original Star Wars stuff. Basically, I'm pretty excited about the trailer. You can find it embedded on the page for this episode. Um, all right, then let's have a little talk about the history of Star Wars. Okay, so the original Star Wars, the first one, which is actually Episode Four, strangely enough, the f it's it's a bit confusing, isn't it? The first one is Episode Four. So it goes four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight, nine, <clears throat> which is a really bizarre way of doing it, but that's that's the way that uh, it's been done. So the first one, episode four, um, obviously was written and uh, directed by George Lucas. It was released in 1977. Um, George Lucas comes from a generation of uh, really great movie directors um and he's part of a sort of group of directors that include steven spielberg uh, francis ford coppola uh, and george lucas they were friends they studied film together i believe obviously coppola went on to uh, make great films like the godfather trilogy and apocalypse now steven spielberg you know he did so many amazing things during the 70s uh close encounters of the third kind and then of course later on he did et and then even more sort of critically acclaimed work like schindler's list and uh saving private ryan now considered to be <clears throat> perhaps the greatest director that there is at the moment um lucas and spielberg did work together of course on indiana jones spielberg directed it lucas wrote the story um, but uh, really Star Wars was Lucas's big, big success. He had made several other films before he did Star Wars, uh, which show that he is a, actually a very good filmmaker. Um, he did a film called American Graffiti, which is about um, sort of young kids growing up in a, some town in, in America and the kind of rock and roll generation. They're listening to rock and roll music on the on the radio. It's like kids who don't quite know where their future is going a sense of uncertainty about the future and how they fit into adult life, you know, that kind of coming-of-age story. Um, there, the cars are quite a big feature in that film, and there are several sequences of car races, which does sort of remind you of the um, some of the action sequences from the, uh, the Star Wars films. He also did a kind of um, slightly more... What's the word for it? A kind of experimental film, which I think is called THX-1388, um, which I haven't even seen, but it's a science fiction 
film which is a sort of i think it's set in a sort of dystopian world a kind of 1984 kind of situation and in that film although it's not really sort of blockbuster hollywood stuff it's more of an experimental film you do see some tonal elements that come back in the in the star wars movies for example some of the sound effects and the visual elements and the general tone of things like the empire and the robots and things that you see in the star wars movies when lucas um came up with the idea of star wars i think it was really sort of related to the kind of swashbuckling epic adventure stories that he'd read or seen on tv as a kid things like flash gordon stuff like that like big space adventures battling with aliens and things like that now stanley kubrick in the 1960s had released um, 2001 a space odyssey which of course was the was like hollywood's big introduction to space really um and and there was also star trek as well the star trek uh, tv show but really star wars is what introduced space to hollywood in a different kind of way 2001 and star trek had both been a slightly sort of scientific um, based um, approach to uh, space and it involved humans from earth and the way that we interact with space and it's sort of about our our relationship with space and what it really means to be a human being um and um you know the relationship between human being and the epicness of space and and all those scientific questions and philosophical and ethical questions that uh, are raised by uh you know progress um into space okay so those films are really about um about us they're about people about humans and our human condition but star wars really is it's nothing to do with humans it's more of a sort of mythical story um and um, it's, it doesn't take place on Earth. In fact, of course, it takes place uh, a long, long time ago in a, ga- in a galaxy far, far away. In fact, those are the words that appear on the screen right at the beginning of the film. In a, ga- uh, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So just suggesting that this is total fantasy, really. And what it did, though, is it used space as a backdrop for kind of uh, a mythical um, adventure story with a battle of good against evil. Um, it's like a fairy story, really, or like an old myth. You know, like the myths and legends of a, a young person who uh, discovers that they have a sort of destiny, that they're the chosen one, that they have to learn uh, to, you know, um, uh, develop their powers and then defeat an evil character. That kind of story is a, is really a, a typical story. It's a it's a uh, a trope. And you see it in lots and lots of other films, like, for example, the Harry Potter series, um, even the Lord of the Rings with Bilbo or Frodo's journey from being, you know, simple, uh, you know, his simple life as a young hobbit in Hobbiton through all the adventures and the the big uh, part that he has to play in the grand battle against evil. Um, Star Wars is really that kind of story. Um, it's a very typical uh, myth, uh, mythical kind of story. Um and um, also it was like the first real big uh, one of the first big blockbuster movies one of those films that was an event in itself i mean maybe you had jaws perhaps the exorcist as well but star wars is the sort of film that became a huge cultural event as a as a movie it's something that everybody saw everyone was talking about it it launched lots of merchandising as well there was there were obviously the toys associated with star wars films um 
as a kid i had my star wars figures all my little toys uh, for each character in the star wars universe i had uh, toys for different uh, spaceships and things from the star wars universe i used to have uh, my brother and i had loads of star wars figures and we also had i had an x-wing fighter a plastic x-wing fighter you pressed a button on the top and its wings would open and uh, there was a space where you could put little a little luke skywalker character in the front of it and then you could imagine you were playing around with an x-wing fighter um and uh, what else did we have? I had an Atat Walker from Return of the Jedi, one of those robot sort of uh, things that walks through the jungle on Endor. I had one of those too, and they were some of my favourite toys. So um, Star Wars really is is one of those f- the first movie franchises that was more than just a movie. It was a big cultural event, and it was also uh, it also launched a, a wide range of um, of uh, merchandising as well. These days, that's just standard, isn't it? I mean, that happens with all the big movie releases. You not only get the film, you also get all sorts of other products that relate to it too. Now, good or bad, whether you think that's a good or bad thing, certainly Star Wars was groundbreaking in that sense too. But if we look at just the films and the the, the effect of actually sitting in the cinema and watching the films, um, it was quite an explosive moment in cinema history. Um of course, right at the beginning of Star Wars Episode Four, you have that iconic opening sequence with the big Star Wars sign, and then the uh, the story, which um, sort of scrolls away from the the viewer through space. These big yellow letters through space that give you the sort of um, background story that explain the situation, and then you're just launched into this epic kind of space adventure. And the opening shot is really iconic. Um, you see, you know, this space flying over the camera and then it's followed by a huge star destroyer which seems to go on forever and ever and ever and you get these dramatic special effects and sound effects it was like you know 2000 what what stanley kubrick had achieved with special effects in 2001 uh, which which was a very sort of cerebral uh, fairly slow paced cons- well considered version of space this was space as an epic battleground um, and uh, it was an extremely thrilling moment I think for uh, most of the people who saw it um, and it still is even today when I watch the opening of Star Wars and you see the Star Destroyer coming over the camera it's big th- threatening presence and the sound of the lasers um, it, it's it's an incredible moment, and um, most of the viewers, certainly the viewers who liked the film, were just locked in to it from that moment uh, onwards. Um, so um, let's see. I think when it was first made, George Lucas didn't think it would be a success. In fact, no one really thought it would be a success. George found the uh, filming to be extremely stressful, and um, they were all very worried. They thought it was that no one was going to really buy it. You know that they wouldn't be convinced by this kind of weird space adventure with all these odd characters. Um, and um, of course, it had never been done before, really. So it was a huge surprise for almost everyone when it became a massive hit in the cinemas um, and it still remains to this day you know just a huge um, event i'm not sure actually at this point which is the highest grossing film of all time i think it might be avatar uh, or maybe titanic but certainly the star wars films are up there and for a long time star wars i think was was the most successful movie series of all time um 
let's see let's see so of course episode episode four we the basic story is that luke's we find luke skywalker uh he kind of unwittingly picks up a couple of droids uh one of whom r2d2 uh contains uh plans which can be used to destroy uh the death star this space station which is used by the the galactic empire as a huge weapon which they use basically to dominate the universe. So Luke Skywalker, without realising it, gets dragged into this epic space conflict, and he ends up being uh, made a member of the uh, the the rebellion, the rebellion against the Empire. So we don't realise it at the beginning, but he is kind of cr- a crucial part, not only of this big political conflict which is going on in the universe, but also in a much larger, more significant um narrative which is that of the force and the mystery of uh the force and the good and the dark sides and there seems to be some kind of um kind of epic spiritual element to this story which is the idea that there is maybe a prophecy just like in many old myths there's a there's some kind of prophecy or a um, um a, a story which has already been written like a predetermined uh uh, story that's written by the gods or something like that uh, which goes back to that idea of the greek mythology and, and so on um, luke doesn't realize it at the beginning and neither do we that he's a, a very key player in the battle of, of basically good against evil um, so um, we, we also don't realize that he is you know connected in various ways to other key characters in the in the story and as we go through uh, the narrative uh, things become more and more clear and things become more and more important and significant as we go on and this young farmer uh, from Tatooine uh, ends up being perhaps you know the one of the most important uh, people in the universe um and um I mean, there are other characters, you know, Harrison Ford, of course, playing Han Solo and uh, Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia and the droids and Darth Vader, this incredibly imposing character who is actually played by something like six different actors. You've got the the original, um, the guy who wears the suit, this British uh, bodybuilder. Uh, I think his name's Dave Prowse, this large guy you know huge very tall very well-built bloke who thought that he was going to be the voice of darth vader as well but in fact in post-production they added on the much more impressive much more commanding voice of james earl jones the american actor uh, who's got that kind of very deep very um imposing voice which of course was a great move um, adding his voice over the top dave prowse must have, must have been gutted of course to discover that he in fact wasn't voicing darth vader he was just doing the body movements it does create a quite a slightly strange atmosphere around darth vader that the voice and the body are not completely synchronized there's a weird uh, atmosphere around him um so there was Dave Prowse, James Earl Jones. We've also had uh, the little boy who plays uh, the young Anakin Skywalker in the first film, and then Hayden Christensen as well, who plays the you know the more grown-up version of uh, Anakin Skywalker, who eventually becomes Darth Vader in the prequel movies. And then, of course, there's another actor, the actor who plays the face of Darth Vader after Luke Skywalker has removed his helmet at the end of uh, Episode Six. So I, I think that's five actors. Um, there may be even more as far as i know it's just five people who've who've actually portrayed darth vader in various ways over the years um obi-wan kenobi uh, played by sir alec guinness 
uh, a fantastic, a brilliant British actor, a classical British actor, um, who for some reason ended up in this bizarre modern science fiction story. But thank goodness he did, because Alec Guinness is brilliant as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's such an understated performer, but he brings a real level of gravity and quality um, and class to the film. And I think that Ben Kenobi or Obi-Wan Kenobi is such an important character for for creating a sort of believability. He's brilliant in the film, and apparently on set he was the consummate professional. But... um, I think that although this is maybe his best known work, it's certainly not the best acting that he ever did or even the best project that he was part of. And I think that Alec Guinness was quite embarrassed, really, about his involvement with Star Wars. I believe that he only agreed to take part in the filming if if he was given a royalty. That's like a small percentage of all the profits made from the Star Wars film. And it was a very good decision on his part because I think it did make him very rich indeed. So even if you got 1% of all of the money that was made from the Star Wars uh, uh, films, I think that you'd be, you know, a millionaire many times over. So good move, Alec Guinness. Uh, We also had other people in there. uh, the droids, you know, played by people. You had uh, Kenny Baker, who was a, a, a little person who actually managed to fit inside the R2-D2 costume. So there's actually a person in there, which, again, is very important. Uh, it's, it's It helps to give personality to the character of R2-D2. And sometimes you see it, the way he moves. Um, you get the sense that this is, a, this is not just a hunk of metal, but this is a character in there. Um, and um, I think that when you see in the prequel films, the the, the you know episodes one, two, and three, R two D two sometimes is uh, basically computer graphics, and you don't get the same sense of personality or character or warmth from the droid as you do when it's just a bloke in a suit. Um, Anthony Daniels played C three PO. And uh, he's the perfect person, really, for that role. He's slightly awkward, sort of the awkward English guy, um, slightly uptight. And uh, it's interesting that R2-D2 and C-3PO seem to have a slightly difficult relationship. They bicker with each other and they argue and so on. Apparently, the actors themselves also didn't really get on at all. They, they kind of hated each other too. I think, in, 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 in fact, in the film, C-3PO and R2-D2... Uh, you know, are much, much closer than the actors were in real life. Um, Peter Mayhew as uh, Chewbacca, um, the, the, this incredibly tall, very strong Wookiee with that sound, you know, the, the noise that he made, um, and, uh, and all the other characters too. I mean, Harrison Ford uh, was vital, I think, to the success of the film because he provided that sexy, kind of cool character. He's like the cowboy in space, with his brilliant spaceship, the Millennium Falcon, um, great a great counterpoint to Luke Skywalker, who is you know very sort of serious and earnest young man who wants to avenge the death of his um, his uncle and aunt, and ends up on some sort of. Uh, journey of self-discovery and all that kind of serious stuff but Harrison Ford plays the sort of laid-back uh, cool guy who is very good with a blaster and he's got all the kind of cool uh, comebacks and things like that um, so lots of boxes are ticked are ticked by this film some things are not dealt with like there isn't sort of 
genuine romance in there um you don't get a sense of real human emotions and uh, real human stories but it's not meant to be a kind of um realistic sort of everyday life kind of story no it's a it's a it's a huge like uh, sort of greek myth set in space really um and it and if you see it in that way that's the key to enjoying star wars it's an exciting adventure with mythical fantasy elements to it um so I first saw Star Wars probably when I was about five years old, I think, and I only vaguely remember it. Um, I was with my family. We were on holiday somewhere. I think we were in Wales. We were like staying in a cottage in Wales on holiday, I think, and we watched it on a tiny little TV set. Uh, it was broadcast on TV on the BBC, and we watched it. I think it was at Christmas, in fact, uh, and we, we watched it on this tiny little TV set. It might even have been a black and white TV at that time, and uh, I just remember vaguely some. Of the, I didn't really understand what was going on, and I think my brother James was sick as well at the time. He had like some kind of bad stomach, so he kept having to go to the toilet, and so you know I don't really remember much about it. But what I do remember is that right at the end of the film. Uh, just before the final climax of the movie, the the BBC broadcast was cut. There was something wrong, a technical problem, which meant that we lost the signal. So we missed the end of the film. So I never knew what happened at the end for years. But I did get immediately some kind of fascination with the Star Wars universe. And I was immediately gripped by it. And I think perhaps the second thing was when uh, one day, complete surprise... Um, I think my dad came home from work and he, as a surprise, he'd, he'd bought two Star Wars toys for my brother and me, uh, two Star Wars figures. And uh, it was a big significant moment because for some reason these Star Wars figures were just the greatest toys that we could have ever have been, uh, been given. And uh, my brother was given Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I remember distinctly that Obi-Wan Kenobi had a plastic... Uh, he had a, like a plastic uh, cape and a lightsaber which came out of his arm. You could like push the lightsaber and it would come out of his, his arm. So you could make it go, you know. Uh, and I was given Luke Skywalker in his um, uh, like X-Wing fighter uniform. And so immediately uh, we were very attached to these toys and we played with them all the time. And uh, we were big fans of Star Wars. And I think that even after just seeing the, the, the film in black and white on a TV, uh, James and me, it, it, it really caught our imaginations. And uh, I remember us when we played games, we would often play Star Wars games with our Star Wars figures. Or we would play Star Wars role plays where I would always be Luke Skywalker, of course, because I'm Luke. So I, would, I was always Luke Skywalker, even in playground games at school. When other kids met me, uh, as a child when I met other children uh, and I told them my name was Luke then they would always say what Luke Skywalker kids have always called me Luke Skywalker uh, all throughout my life and even now as an adult when I tell people my name's Luke then you know there's always someone who goes Luke Luke I am your father you know or they say things like use the force Luke um, I get that kind of thing all the time I'm now going to blow my nose again. In fact, I'm going to pause the recording this time in order to uh, blow my nose. All right. Okay, I'm back, but my nose is still blocked up. It made no difference at all. I've got a cup of tea here as well because I've, uh, I took the opportunity during the pausing of the podcast to make myself some tea. That is the magic of, of um, audio recording, that I can pause it 
And it feels like just a second has gone by. In fact, it's been a bit longer than that because I've gone downstairs and made myself a cup of tea. Yum, yum. Mm-mm. Ah, lovely. Very refreshing. Um, so am I going to tell you the story of Star Wars, the plot? I think you probably know the plot, don't you? Um, and And in fact, no, I'm not going to go into too much detail there. I think you probably know Luke Skywalker. He's he discovers that Princess Leia has uh, been captured by the Empire, and she sends a droid down onto his planet with you know, hoping that someone will 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 get the message that she implanted in the droid. Luke Skywalker, by coincidence, gets the message, and he he suddenly he seems to fall in love with this hologram of Princess Leia. He doesn't realise that uh, he doesn't realise who she is, which is a bit of a shock later on. But um, he seems to kind of fall in love with her, and he he goes to find Obi Wan Kenobi, who is mentioned in the message. And Obi Wan Kenobi is very mysterious, and he says, "Obi Wan Kenobi, I haven't. That's a name I haven't heard since." So he's kind of obviously um, uh, knows things about uh, what's going on, and. Um, uh the the empire are searching for the droids and they they ambush luke skywalker's uh home and they kill his uncle and aunt and but luke survives and he decides i'm gonna go and i'm gonna learn how to become a jedi uh obi-wan kenobi tells luke that his father was killed by darth vader and that his father was a was a jedi knight and all this stuff and luke's imagination is is uh, piqued by this and so he decides he's going to follow obi-wan kenobi uh to f- rescue the princess and uh, learn to become a jedi knight it really is the stuff of legend isn't it you know rescuing a princess from a castle learning to become a knight all that kind of thing it's like an old ancient story and along the way they are joined by han solo and chewbacca i said that i wouldn't explain the story but that's exactly what i'm doing so what the hell i haven't really planned this episode i've just decided to ramble because i don't have time to plan this episode i could have uh, sat down and written page after page of stuff very carefully planned stuff about star wars and i thought no i can't i can't afford to spend the time on it i'm just gonna start recording and just spill my brains out into the microphone um so they meet up with han solo and chewbacca who agree to give them a lift basically to this planet where they hope to uh to uh, use the plans as a way of destroying the death star um and um they they rescue the princess and they they get to the rebel base but the 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 empire have um have followed them and then you end up with this climax where the rebels try to destroy the death star and the death star try to destroy the rebel base and it's like it gets right down to the last second and we know what happens of course um uh, obi-wan kenobi does has a fight with darth vader on the death star and and uh, dramatic things happen um it's extremely exciting indeed um i think you probably know the rest of the story um i expect so um, huge success, of course. The second film, it went darker. We follow Luke Skywalker on his journey to discover the Force. We are introduced to Yoda for the first time. Yoda, of course, being this ancient Jedi Master who trained Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Yoda uh, first is introduced as like a very small, very weak character. But as we go on, we, we learn more about the Force. And we learn that Yoda is actually extremely powerful. He's got very bad grammar, very 
very bad sentence structure despite being one of the most powerful beings in the universe who can lift huge objects just with the power of his mind he seems incapable of moving the verb into the center of the sentence um because uh, i don't know why but his grammar is bad but he's um he's you know the awesome jedi master and he trains luke in the ways of the force luke goes to rescue his friends who've who've been kidnapped by darth vader and he ends up battling with vader and it's a it's a crucial moment in the story because um, Luke doesn't realise it, but Vader knows something about Luke Skywalker's family history. Uh, it turns out that uh, what Obi Wan Kenobi had told Luke about his father wasn't true, and we learn um, you know something incredible about the story. Um, and um, and and in the end, in Return of the Jedi, um, Luke Skywalker learns he completes his jedi training and he comes back to battle with uh, darth vader again and the emperor the emperor of course is the leader of the galactic empire um and uh ultimately um justice is done and we end the uh, the last episode episode six we end that with um luke skywalker having uh, like apparently defeated the empire the rebel the the rebels uh, with luke skywalker have defeated the empire the balance has been restored to the force and um and that's the end of the the series what happens in seven eight and nine we are yet to discover but we do know that luke skywalker han solo and uh princess leia will return and um so we we know that we don't know exactly what's going to happen maybe there's a suggestion that uh one of the characters uh will turn to the dark side it could be luke skywalker it could be um uh uh princess leia's children i'm trying not to give away too many details of the story uh if you haven't seen it then i don't want to give away some of the the big secrets in the in in episodes four five and six i think if you have seen it then you'll know what i'm talking about um so in terms of the force the force is a very interesting concept the idea that there's this kind of um this force that binds the galaxy together and that some people um are uh, can have a lot of sensitivity to the force and they're able to use it to control people's minds they can use it to manipulate the world around them um and yet if you use the force for for evil things if you use it for the wrong purposes that it can uh corrupt you um and you can become seduced by the dark side of the force which may or may not be even more powerful than the light side and so you know for example we look at darth vader who um uh, before you know at one point he was a good person but he for one reason or another gets seduced by the dark side of the port the force and ends up becoming an evil character <coughs> not completely evil but pretty blooming evil that's for sure uh the emperor is like the leader of the dark side um and then on the other on the good side you've got yoda and, and obi-wan so in episodes four five and six we see that the rebellion and the jedis certainly um are not as strong as they used to be and in fact in the prequel uh trilogy we see uh, a world in which the, the 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 jedis are really the sort of like the judges or the leaders of of um they're like a group of sort of spiritual leaders or judges i would say and they're a lot more powerful they have a lot more influence 
Now, I absolutely love episodes four, five, and six. And let me just t- sort of try and tell you why I like those uh, episodes. I'm not so keen on the prequel trilogy, but four, five, and six for me are just fantastic. Um, why? Well, it's not because, you know, I don't judge Star Wars in the same way that I judge other films. Um, and I can completely understand if you don't like Star Wars. Like, for example, my mum doesn't like it. Just It's just not her thing. And my girlfriend she doesn't like it either it's just it doesn't grab her interest my girlfriend's more interested in sort of realistic human dramas um you know stories about real people in real situations with genuine emotions and i love those films too i really really do um and yet there's something about star wars i think it's the connection to my childhood because i had star wars on vhs cassette we had Star Wars, we had, you know, Superman, we had Indiana Jones and a few other films. And I used to watch Star Wars again and again and again. It was always in the video player. And I would just, you know, watch a bit of it in the morning before school. I'd come home from school, watch a bit more, do some homework, eat my tea, watch a little bit more Star Wars. And when it got to the end, I'd just rewind it and start again. And so I've seen the film just hundreds of times it must be hundreds of times obviously i did other things but for some reason star wars was the with the film that i always went back to and it just became more and more interesting the more i watched it fascinating really i think there's something about the idea that that we enter the story in the middle we don't enter it at the beginning and so there are lots of things in, in certainly the the original trilogy four five and six there are lots of things which are not really explained like for example the backstory of who is darth vader who is obi-wan kenobi uh you know what actually happened who is the emperor lots of mysteries and unexplained things lots of characters who appear in the in the series a, a little bit um it's like a whole world um, which has a lot more depth than what you actually see in the movies. So it really inspired my imagination and the imagination of my friends. And all the way up to, you know, as a, as a teenager and as a student at university, I used to, you know, talk to my friends about Star Wars. And as I said, I'm a bit of a geek, but I'm not a complete geek. And I've got plenty of friends who are not really total geeks, but friends who love star wars and it's just one of those subjects that you can sort of uh, speculate about we used to speculate about the backstories of the characters and about what really was going on behind the scenes and and things like that i think that was it that it was this world that captured your imagination and allowed your creativity to run free um so also there were things like just the general design the design of the spaceships, the design of the world in which uh, the film is set. Now, it's not this kind of clean-cut, perfect, sort of futuristic world that you get from Star Trek. In Star Trek, everything's nice and smooth and shiny and clean and everyone's perfect and it's like this kind of perfect version of society. No, Star Wars is dirty and it's gritty and it things are broken and they don't really work. It's, it's a much more sort of rough version of the universe you know like the millennium falcon has problems and han solo has to try and fix them and things break down and things are dirty and uh, like the clothing is a bit uh, bit old and you know it's much more of a gritty believable universe with real character and substance to it um and but not just the the sort of um it's not just the substance of the universe but also the 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 general production design 
I like the way the ships look. I like the way uh, the spaces look. I just love that aesthetic. Like the Millennium Falcon, it just, the design of it for me is just great. It's not symmetrical. Uh, the surface is all rough. Um, and there's all sorts of bits and pieces on it. Um, it's just a cool shape. The same thing with all of the ships, all of the stuff in Star Wars. I just love the way it all looks. In fact, I think in episodes four, five, and six, pretty much every design, every aspect of design appeals to me. Um, to to a less, lesser extent in the prequel films, although they look pretty good too. There are some things that I don't like. But four, five, and six, I think most of it visually really appeals to me. And it's not just the visual stuff as well. It's also the sound effects, the sound design of uh, Star Wars. It's great. I mean, there are some really fantastic sound effects. I've actually got uh, a soundboard here on StarWars.com, and we've got some sound effects like a Stormtrooper blaster, like that. That's just an iconic sound. Princess Leia's blaster sounds like this. What a what a great sound. Um, we've also got Han Solo's blaster. Whoa. They just sound really cool, don't you think? Uh, so there are other sounds as well that we have in here. I'm going to play around with this soundboard a little bit. Uh, we've got, okay, lots of sound effects here. Battle droids, the Battle of Hoth. Um, okay, so we've not only here on this soundboard do we have sound effects of the blasters and things, but we also have some some. Uh, uh, quotes. Watch that crossfire, boys! That's Luke Skywalker. Just... Right now I feel like I can take on the whole Empire myself. Echo Station 3TA. We have spotted Imperial walkers. You know all these noises and sounds? This is all from uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Um... You know those sound effects? Just really chunky, meaty sounds. It all sounds really, really great. Let her go! Detach cable! Cable detached! Okay, so if you've seen the films like, you know, as many times as me, then those sounds just bring it all back. Uh, let's go to the Battle of Yavin. This is the uh, original assault on the Death Star. Um, um, no, that's just all. I, I'm not so keen on the, the, the spoken samples. I just like the noises. Uh, we've heard some blasters. Let's let's see what else we've got here. Um, Ewoks, Jabba's Palace, Imperial Officers, Jawas, lightsabers. Come on. Let's have a little bit of lightsaber action. Ooh. That's the sound of a lightsaber turning on. I think that's Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber from... Uh, Return of the Jedi. That's Darth Vader's lightsaber, isn't it? Okay. And this is a lightsaber turning off. Okay. Oh, yeah. That I iconic noise that we all made as children when we were pretending to be a Jedi. And there's also the sounds of uh, when lightsabers hit each other. Yeah. I mean... Wow, that's a great sound. <laughs> oh my god. I just love these sounds. 
right. Um, so it's the it's the sound design as well as the visual design. Uh, it's the whole universe. I mean, let's have a little bit of uh, um, let's have a little bit of. Okay, that's the Millennium Falcon. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Oh, no, it's music. Uh, okay. So the sound design, the visual design, all of it for me was just really appealing and uh, just uh, very special. And how did they make some of those noises? Um, some of these sounds are just really, uh, really distinctive. And uh, how did they make them? Well, if we actually hear, do we have any sounds of... Um, we have any sounds of Chewbacca or um, X-Wings? Okay, if we have some TIE Fighters, TIE Fighters sound like this. So, brilliant noises, aren't they? Aren't they amazing sound effects? Um, apparently a lot of these sound effects were actually made by combining different animal noises. Um, you get sort of a noise of a, a lion or a tiger screaming with the sound of a seal barking and things like that. Um, and so, strangely sort of organic sounds for these machines. Um, creatures, do we have uh, Do we have any, any others here? Okay, I think that's enough of, of the sound effects. Um, so, also there's the, there's the sort of family relationship aspect of it too, like the dark relationship between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, which has sort of, possibly has some Oedipal kind of things going on. And if you're a young guy, you know, a teenager or younger than that, that there's something that kind of rings true. There's something that is significant about the sort of realizations that you go through as a young lad growing up. There are certain things that as you, for example, go through adolescence, maybe there are some subtexts or psychological subtexts which... Um, related to the difficult relationship that you might have with your father or with other aspects of your family life and maybe th those aren't necessarily overtly dealt with in the film but there is a subtext there which maybe feeds into part of the obsession that some people have with the film um and um so i think that's that's probably it for um my reasons for for loving it so much and also it's just a great adventure it's just so exciting uh the the fact that i've i've seen it so many times it's it's a thing that i can use to bond with my friends so when i'm together with my friends sometimes we quote lines from the films um we like to kind of uh, um you know repeat parts of the movie to each other and talk about it um and uh i mean it's if, if you've seen the film as many times as i have if you kind of uh if it was part of your childhood uh like it was mine then you'll know exactly what i'm talking about and if if um if you you know if you don't really get it then there there might not be anything i can do really to to convince you uh so i suppose to an extent i i'm probably preaching to the converted uh here um yeah did you hear that i did hear that yes we're doomed that's c3po there speaking uh i want to hear uh, r2d2 because he's just brilliant. That's not R2-D2. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. Um, now, the original films, as I've said, were just great. Now, the prequels. 
what happened well after okay after the um after episodes four five and six were released that's star wars a new hope star wars the empire strikes back which is the darker film and then star wars um the return of the jedi which is a slightly more family friendly film most people consider it to be the 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 worst of that three i still like it a lot i think there are still some great moments in there like boba fett appears in it and some other things uh jabba the hut and stuff like that after the huge success of those three films nothing really happened we had no star wars related stuff at all for years until i think it was around 1997 when the technology had advanced to the point where george lucas was able to release the special edition versions of the star wars trilogy and i'm I don't really like them, I'll be honest. I'm now going to drink some tea. So the special editions, uh, which are, the, are now the ones that you see everywhere. If you um, if you get like a Star Wars movie on DVD or something like that, it's probably going to be the special edition. It's pretty hard to find the original theatrical versions of the Star Wars films. So the special editions was, for me... I mean, it obviously made uh, Lucasfilm and George Lucas uh, loads of money because everyone went out to the cinemas again and they saw them again and everyone bought the DVDs again and all that stuff. But really, the special editions are not better than the originals. In fact, I think they're worse. So in terms of Star Wars Episode Four, George Lucas added in some extra scenes and on top of some of the original footage, he added special effects like computer-generated images, CGI. So you see, for example, when Luke's, uh, when stormtroopers are in the desert, it's not just two stormtroopers. There are also other stormtroopers riding tauntauns in the background. Um, banthers, in fact, not tauntauns. I've got to get my animal facts correct. Um, and also he added in some other scenes, like a, uh, a scene in which you see Han Solo talking to Jabba the Hutt. Now, um, you'll know from Return of the Jedi that Jabba the Hutt is this huge, uh, horrible monster, and he's a gangster who basically rules uh, large parts of the galaxy. Uh, he's an organised criminal. Huge, slimy monster, basically. In the original Star Wars film, Jabba the Hutt was in the script, but he wasn't a monster, he was just a man. Um, and he was, you know, a gangster, but just a man. And there was a scene in the original script for Star Wars that they filmed, and it was Han Solo talking to Jabba the Hutt, saying, okay, Jabba, don't worry, I'm going to give you your money, just give me a few more days, that kind of thing. And in that scene, you see Han Solo talking to a man, and they walk around each other, and the camera moves around them. And George Lucas, in his infinite wisdom, uh, and that's sarcasm, of course. George Lucas decided that he would re, uh, replace the actor who played Jabba the Hutt with a CGI version of Jabba the Hutt, the one that we know from the Return of the Jedi um, uh, film. And, but it just doesn't work. It's a complete disaster. It's awful. It's horrible, in fact, because the, the Jabba the Hutt is too small and he, it looks like a cartoon and Han Solo has to walk around him. And But it, because he walks around him, he has to walk over his tail. And so Han Solo is digitally moved up so he steps over Jabba the Hutt's tail the whole thing is just a total ridiculous joke and it's horrible to see and it just stands out like a uh, uh, what's the what's the expression it stands out like a sore thumb 
something stands out like a sore thumb. It means it's really obvious and it doesn't fit in. So this moment with Jabba the Hutt stands out like a sore thumb, and that's not the only thing. There are other things too, like other CGI monsters which have been added in in place, and the scene in the cantina bar, they added more computer graphics. And maybe the worst bit, the one that everyone talks about, is the moment where we first meet Han Solo, and he's... he's uh, talking to a bounty hunter called uh, Greedo. And Greedo is uh, wants to catch Han Solo because um, there's a bounty on his head. That means that Jabba the Hutt will pay anyone money if they get Han Solo to him because he owes uh, Jabba the Hutt money. And there's this sort of, uh, sort of Western cowboy-style standoff with the two of them sitting. Uh, I say it's a standoff. They're actually sitting down opposite each other. And um, Han Solo is acting very, very cool, and Greedo's pointing a gun at him, and he's saying, look, I'm going to take you to Jabba the Hutt, there's nothing you can do about it, and Han Solo's being all cool, and he shoots him from under the table. Uh, Greedo doesn't realise that Han Solo's actually picked his gun up, and he shoots him under the table, and it's it, it works, because Han Solo's a, a scoundrel, he's not, uh, he's not afraid of, you know, uh, doing slightly bad things to protect himself. That's the character of Han Solo. He's a selfish scoundrel. He's he's a bit ruthless. And so, yeah, he shoots Greedo first without Greedo realising it because he's looking after himself. And we like Han Solo. We like him more because of that. We think this guy is dangerous. He's ruthless. He's a scoundrel, but he's cool and he's charming and he's handsome. Um, and we need a character like this in the film. In the special edition versions, um, George Lucas decided that he would manipulate the the original footage and he would make Greedo shoot first and Han Solo sort of dodges the, the laser blast and then he shoots Greedo. Completely unnecessary. It looks fake. It looks rubbish. And it somehow diminishes the impact of Han Solo as a character. So uh, there are more and more examples of this in the other films where George Lucas is basically messing around with the original films and he doesn't improve them. He makes them worse. Except in some cases he cleared up some of the special effects to make them look better. He added in a few... uh, extra like scenes of the spaceships you know made of cgi and they look really good uh but some of the scenes unnecessary and unfortunately it it was a sign of what was going to come with the prequel movies um so we found out sometime in the late 90s that george lucas was making uh episodes one two and three um, and they, the first one was released in 1999 with lots of hype, lots of media hype around it. Naturally, I was very excited too, and I went to the cinema with my friends to see the film. And I have to say, it was a big disappointment. It was pretty horrible, really. Um, too much, uh, too, just too many special effects. The script was terrible. Um, all, all sorts of things were wrong with it. And really to get the full um, uh, uh, the full ex- explanation of what exactly is wrong with the prequel trilogy, I highly recommend that you watch a series of videos by um, um, an online uh, YouTube channel called Red Letter Media. You must watch the Red Letter Media Star Wars Episode 1 review. And uh, I think it's called Mr. Plinkett Reviews Star Wars The Phantom Menace. And he also does another one for uh, the, the second film and the third film. What, in a nutshell, was wrong with those films? Well, first of all, we already knew what was going to happen at the end. 
so what the the films basically dealt with the the uh it was like an origin story of darth vader essentially so we see a uh, young anakin skywalker and we follow him up through his adolescence and into his adulthood and we see him training as a jedi and then ultimately we see how he turns to the dark side of the force but we know exactly what's going to happen at the end we know that uh, uh, you know the final scene of the last movie is going to be him as darth vader going so we know what's going to happen there's not really a sense of surprise or mystery Um, that's one of the problems another problem is too much cgi too many graphics okay um lots of characters were made of cgi um the actors when they were making the film they had to uh, perform against a green screen that's where there is no actual physical set they're just on a studio uh, in a studio with a green screen behind them and they're having to pretend like imagine that they're fighting a monster or imagine that they're walking through a cave or or whatever and that afterwards they would add all the special effects at the end and the result is that it just feels fake it feels unreal you don't get the sense that the characters are interacting with the world around them that it feels like a cartoon it's um lots and lots of bad decisions lots of bad decisions um i mean also there was a character called jar jar binks who is universally hated um this kind of character who's supposed to appeal to young kids and he's this floppy sort of character this ridiculous character who is also a sort of racial it's also kind of racial stereotype he speaks in this kind of jamaican dialect um and it's it's just offensive in that way but it's also just a horribly annoying character there's nothing really enjoyable about jar jar binks and he just irritates you and oh there's there are lots and lots of other problems i mean some of the good some of the prequels contain some good moments like you had an epic lightsaber duel between uh obi-wan kenobi uh qui-gon jinn played by Liam Neeson from the Taken movies, uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? Darth Maul, the... Uh, the... Uh, dark... What's what's he called? The Sith. The Sith Lord with the red face and the horns and that double lightsaber. That fight between them is brilliant. I mean, it's really dramatic, and Darth Maul is a great character. And also the pod race is pretty cool. Some amazing sound effects and dramatic moments. And some of the space battles are, are pretty good too. But all in all, too much, okay? Too much CGI, not enough... Uh, proper character development lots of stupid ideas in the plot that don't make any sense complicated politics like loads and loads of um like trade negotiations and politics that didn't make any sense i mean i still don't really understand it to be honest um loads of details that i don't really understand and also yoda fighting with a lightsaber i mean come on it was it was really awful yoda fights against the emperor and it just becomes like some kind of children's cartoon. Uh, there's nothing realistic about it. They're just jumping around, you know, flipping through the air. Yoda's like jumping up and down and flipping around. Uh, I, I completely lost interest. And my, for me, there was no drama. It just became tiresome and boring and unengaging. And the final battle between uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, the moment really where anakin becomes darth vader um again it's just a very overextended too long the fight is too long they're just jumping from thing to thing to thing um and in the end the drama is lost 
And I think really what happened is that George Lucas had too much creative control. He was surrounded by people who were just saying yes to everything. So it was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this. And everyone's like, okay, George, I think that's a really great idea, George. Um, so in the original film, everything was against him when he made the first one. It was, it was a project which he thought was going to be a failure. Um, and he had to work really hard to try and make it good. In the uh, with the prequel trilogy, everyone was agreeing. He had too much money available to him, and they got over ambitious. And it, the the end result was, you know, uh, a sort of unimpressive bit of a mess, really. With some good things, uh, the the space battle between Obi Wan Kenobi and uh, uh, Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones, that's a brilliant moment where Boba Fett is firing out these weird sort of bombs into the, into space and they go like that and uh, all the meteors explode and Obi-Wan Kenobi has to avoid them all. That's a really great, exciting moment. Um, but uh, all in all, I wasn't impressed, as you can tell, by the prequel trilogy. But that brings us now on to episodes 7, 8 and 9. And now we don't know what's going to happen. That's one of the cool things. We don't know what's going to happen, first of all. Another thing that I think is a good sign is that George Lucas isn't directing them. So uh, Lucasfilm, that's the company that George Lucas owned, which produced the Star Wars films. Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. So, and you know, at that point, everyone was a bit worried. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Is it going to become like Mickey Mouse uh, in space? Uh, well, no. Disney, thankfully, I think these days they're, they're pretty smart and they know what they're doing. And J.J. Abrams was brought on as the director, which I think was probably the best choice they could have made. I can't really think of anyone else who could have done a better job than him. He seems to be the, the ideal candidate. He's a huge Star Wars fan. He is also responsible for revitalizing the Star Trek uh, movies. Um, you know, in the last few years, he came up with star trek and then another star trek film and they're great i mean personally i think they're really really good really sort of funny and um edgy and dramatic and exciting and original and all all really good things and in fact for me the, the newest star trek films they look a bit it looks a bit like the star wars universe it's kind of a bit cocky a bit grubby a bit messy um and uh it for me it reminds me of Star Wars, so I think that uh, Abrams is is going to do a good job. I hope so. Fingers crossed. And I think that J.J. Abrams um, has had a good proper look at what was right about the original Star Wars films and what was wrong about the prequels. And I think he's trying to stay true to the to the originals. So that means um, I, I've read that he's decided to um, try to put. Uh, less CGI in the films and more uh, like more physical special effects like genuine models and um, animatronics and things like that because it creates that more realistic feel um, and um, so we will see we'll see what happens but going back to the teaser trailer it looks pretty good to me and it reminds me of the original films it doesn't look like we've got a million things happening on the screen all at the same time and yet nothing that we really care about um, it looks pretty good uh, for me and well uh, i hope that you're a star wars fan because the next 12 months could be quite exciting but i suppose what i should do what i should do is try not to uh, get caught up in all the hype 
and I should just try and keep it at arm's length and wait for the films to be released in December 2015 and then actually judge it without any prejudice at all. That's probably the best way. I find that when I get excited about a film and I watch the trailers and I, you know, watch all the interviews and all the stuff on the internet and then I went, when I finally see the film, usually I'm disappointed. But if I don't read anything about it and I just go into the cinema completely fresh, that usually is the, is the best move because I get surprised by things. I went to see Prometheus, you know, the, the alien prequel, Ridley Scott. Uh, I, I When Prometheus came out, I got really excited and I watched all the... Uh, tease of trailers and stuff on youtube and i got really excited about it i went to see it and i was disappointed i'd love to do it i will do an episode about prometheus at some point because it's just uh <laughs> it's like terrible and brilliant at the same time um so what i should do is avoid the publicity for star wars and just go and see it but it's going to be very difficult because you know you know how much i care about star wars it's going to be very hard for me not to consume all of the all of the uh hype and publicity and stuff we will just have to wait and see what happens um what was that there's like some kind of dr noise i don't I'm just trying to find some R2-D2 sound effects. Um, see if we've got any more good sound effects here. Uh, creatures, Ewoks, Jabba's Palace, Lightsabers, the Millennium Falcon. I've done a bit of that. Uh, pod Racers, yeah. Okay, the Force. Uh, the Force is strong. The Force is strong with this one. Yeah. Use the Force, Luke. I will use the Force, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Thanks. I should I should have that as my ringtone, don't you think? Use the Force, Luke. The Force will be with you. Always. Oh, thanks. Yes. Jedi's strength flows from the Force. Okay, gr grammar was pretty good there, Yoda. Not bad. Yes. Jedi's strength flows from the Force. Alright. <laughs> Whoa, that was loud. Alright, okay. Uh -huh. The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. All right. The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi speaking there. What else have we got? How long have you had these droids? How long have you had? Three or four seasons? They're up for sale if you want them. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. All right, that's an example of when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi uses the Jedi mind trick. Two stormtroopers have... Uh, um, they they're questioning Luke Skywalker about his droids, and Obi Wan Kenobi says, "You don't need to see his identification." And they're like, "We don't need to see his identification." And then he uses a phrasal verb. Of course he does. Move along, move along, meaning you can go ahead now and go away. Uh, I suppose. Um, Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it, and my sister. Okay. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. All right. I think that brings us to the end of this particular Star Wars-themed episode. Um, and um, now, what I would like to do is do more stuff on, on Star Wars. That's right. Um, and I want to... Actually, I would like to... Um, 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, I've got some C-3PO sounds, have I? Where's C-3... Where's R2-D2? Where is R2-D2 in this sound effect thing? Never mind. Anyway, uh, what I would like to do is actually record a commentary track, like a DVD commentary track for Star Wars Episode Four. So I plan to do that at some point. I was going to do that today. I don't have time. But at, one, at some point soon, I hope, I will sit down and I'll put Star Wars Episode uh, Four on. I've got it lined up here. This is this is it. Um, I could just give you maybe the. F this is the beginning. Twentieth Century Fox. Very familiar opening. I've seen this so many times, and it says, "A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away." And then the iconic opening. Here we go. So there's the yellow Star Wars sign disappearing into space as the opening credits begin. And here we have the yellow uh, letters scrolling away from us into space, announcing the beginning of the film, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And we've got the little sort of background story. It's a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armoured space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Emperor's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. That's how the movie begins, and it just shows that it's just like some epic adventure, space adventure. The other thing I hadn't mentioned was the music. Um, composed by John Williams, who is maybe one of like Hollywood's greatest uh, music composers, maybe with Bernard Herrmann and some other people. But the music really is uh, very, very important in Star Wars. It provides so much of the drama and the emotion. So here we see the uh, we see Princess Leia's spaceship being pursued by the Imperial uh, Star Destroyer, which currently is flying over the top of the camera. This incredible long shot, this huge spaceship which gives us an idea of the imposing nature of the Empire. And it's interesting that the idea of the Empire, it, it, it could be sort of symbolic of two things. If there's a subtext about the Empire, well, I mean, obviously it's just um, the classic kind of, um, uh, like, uh, evil authoritarian government. But maybe it's sort of like, for the Americans, maybe the, empires, the Empire is like the, the sort of British Empire that they had to fight against back in the early days of American independence. Which is interesting because all of the actors who, who play sort of high-ranking members of the, the Empire, they're all British actors. They're all like these classical British actors with these cut-glass received pronunciation accents. Peter Cushing, of course, plays Grand Moff Tarkin, who is like the head of the Death Star. And he's got this amazing sort of old-school British accent, as do all of the other uh, high-ranking members of the Empire. 
Um, so maybe there's a subtext of it, like the British Empire versus the you know the American Revolution, um, or even it it could also be the idea of the American um, administration. And bear in mind that this film was made sort of you know just after the uh, Vietnam War ended, and uh, so this idea of the the battle of this the, the, this small rebellion against like a large uh, corrupt um, evil. Um, administration maybe there's something in the sort of hippie thing uh the the war in vietnam maybe the american government of the empire or maybe it's just a universal story of a struggle against um, an evil power um so i'm actually giving the commentary to this now but i'm not going to continue but eventually i will come back to this and I'll, I'll record my commentary track to star wars and then you'll be able to listen to the commentary while you're actually watching the film and that could be a really great way to uh enjoy star wars and for me to sort of ramble on about the film even more getting into more specific details about particular scenes like this one where darth vader makes his first appearance He's just stepped onto Princess Leia's spaceship. And here's a bit of R2-D2. Okay. R2-D2, where are you? I just love it. I'm sorry. I, I love it. I hope that you do too. That's the end of this episode. Um, hopefully soon I'll do my commentary track uh, for Star Wars Episode 4. Uh, I'd like my brother to join me on that one, uh, if he's available. Um, but uh, for now, for this episode, it's time for me to say goodbye. I hope that you're getting excited about Star Wars, just like I am, um, and that you're looking forward to the new films. Let me know your thoughts. As ever, please leave your comments at teacherluke.co.uk. Leave your, uh, leave your thoughts and your comments. Tell me what you think about Star Wars. What did you think of the original films? What did you think of the prequel trilogy? How do you feel about the new ones? If you don't like Star Wars, that's fine. And I would really like to hear your reasons. I'd like to read your reviews uh, of all of the films, positive or negative. Just please join the debate and get in touch. But for now, it's time for me to say... Goodbye, bye, 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 bye. We're on a diplomatic mission. If this is a consular ship, where is the ambassador? Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans and bring me the passengers. I want them alive. Now come on before somebody sees you. Secret mission? What plans? What are you talking about? I'm not getting in bed. I'm going to regret this. There goes another one. Hold your fire. There's no life forms. You must have short-circuited. That's funny. The damage doesn't look as bad from out here. Are you sure this thing is safe? Oh. 
Thanks again for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.